We're going to look at that. Because you know what? What has happened to Thanksgiving this time of year? What has it morphed into? If we go to that first slide, it's become very... What does everybody start thinking about? The things they need to buy for other people. What should Christmas really be? It should be the ultimate Thanksgiving, right? Why should it be the ultimate Thanksgiving? Because Thanksgiving is a time to be grateful for all the things that God has blessed us with. What's the best blessing any of us ever got? Jesus, right? And, you know, it's a great thing to encourage one another with presents and to take time to think of one another. But it's far more important that we realize there's a dialogue that's trying to take us off track. There's a conversation that's got nothing to do with what's really important. And, you see, sometimes as Christians, we get caught up. We forget what's really important, and we prioritize things that don't really matter. And we need to come back and get away from that. So why am I saying this is, even as Jesus was talking, there were times he needed to address things that came up in his interactions with the people that were around him. And if we go to the next slide, sometimes there are what are known as overt attacks. And then there are other times there are what's known as covert attacks. You know what overt means? It's out in the open. It's obvious. It's clear. Covert. It's a little bit sneaky. Okay? It's a little bit like I want to show you this scene from this little soundtrack from something many of us can remember. to go back to the original Mission Impossible, but the soundtrack for that was like three minutes long because, you know, Martin Landau's in there, different actors. But all I'm saying is that idea of Mission Impossible and that really covert nature of things, you know, sometimes it's misdirection, sometimes it's redirection, sometimes it's outright blackmail. You feel forced into situations. They're going to accomplish their mission, right? And what does it always say? That if you're caught, the director will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Right? There's no way anyone's going to admit what they're really up to. Sometimes we start to become aware of Satan's schemes, but if we really don't know what we're looking for, Satan will flee when you take a close look. He'll really change the whole story unless you know exactly what you're looking for. He wants you to feel like you or everyone around you or that even God is the problem. Because you, you think of these holidays like Black Friday and this Shop Small Saturday and the Cyber Monday, you know, all they're about is aiming at a whole sense of I gotta buy, I gotta have, I gotta get. And sometimes you got, so you're overwhelmed with what you gotta get. And sometimes you don't got, 
So you're overwhelmed with the idea that I'm supposed to get stuff for people, but I can't even do that. And we get all caught up in the reality that Satan is putting out there to take us off track from what is really most important. This time of year, do you know how many people are just so sad with the fact that they're expecting to feel something and they're trying to produce it by buying things or getting things? The giving and getting of gifts is great, but what's the thing that made the difference to us? It's our relationship with God. It's what Jesus did for us. It's what Sean shared, right? That idea that we've been brought back, we've been bought back. We've got a different life that we live. Amen? Amen. And we need to be aware that Satan can just try to take us off. This season, we need to be the shining light. Even if you're out shopping, you need to be saying, i got something great for you to come to, my church. Even if you're out, because, you know, this time of year, don't people start talking more? Because, you know, it's a, it, it can be a great conversation to be out there walking around. And a beautiful day, you can just say beautiful day. All of a sudden, you're in a five-minute conversation, and someone, you offer them a chance. I'm going to a great church service. We're having this holiday service. We're having this midnight mass. I'm like, sorry, I'm not at mass. My Catholic came out. <laughs> my midnight church service over there in Mount Vernon. Sorry. We're not going to burn any incense or anything like that. Okay. Whew. Church. We're going to have church. Okay. At midnight on Christmas Eve. Amen. I had flashbacks of Carrie's crucifix. Yeah, a little covert there. Snuck right in. So, you see, sometimes we need to be very aware. And there's times Jesus is going to talk directly to us. And if you look in Luke chapter 12, in verse 13, Jesus had just been talking about how important it was to stand up for what they believed in and to acknowledge God before men. And this is the very thing this guy says to him. This is the midst of thousands of people, and he's talking to a huge crowd. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, so he, took, he responded to the man, right? But who did he start talking to? Everybody. Watch out. We need to watch out. We need to be on our guard, right? Against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Think about what was on this guy's mind right in the middle of a message from Jesus. And even what Sean was sharing. Sometimes we can be in the word and be taken away. Sometimes God's just trying to bring us back. Let me bring you back. You ever have, you ever have that friend who just kind of goes on a tangent all the time, and you're always trying to bring them back to the point, okay? Sometimes God's just trying to bring us back. Sometimes his word is trying to bring us back. And he, I think the biggest thing here is he says, watch out and be on your guard, because there's a lot of greed out there. And our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. See? Now, he addressed everybody there. You know, we got to watch out. How can Satan be distracting us even now? You know, think about how he could be distracting us even now. You might be thinking about, which, you know, all the stuff you got to go do on Cyber Monday, okay? Or that Black Sunday sale that's going on. Or maybe you're feeling discontent because things aren't the way you wish they were. 
So you're feeling, I can't get everything I want to get for people. And then, so that's so on the one hand, you're overwhelmed if you've got stuff to spend. On the other hand, you're discouraged if you don't have anything that you can do to get people things. And in the reality, does all of that matter? No. Now, it's nice when you can, but does it matter if you can't? No. And does it matter if you can? Really? No. You know what? What's more important? The fact that we bring men and women to know who Jesus is. The fact that people got baptized yesterday. We'll recognize that at the end of church today. The the fact that men and women are here that want to be restored to God. The fact that somebody that's been through an incredibly challenging couple of years could come up here and do a communion message and stay in his faith through all the challenges that he's faced. That's what matters. You know? And God is trying to talk to each and every one of us. He's having a conversation with each and every one of you right now. Because something that I'm saying is speaking personally to you. You know? You've you got to pay attention to this. So then he goes on and he tells a parable. Because he's trying to make a point not just to the man, right? He goes into a parable because who's he making a point to? Everybody there. So he takes a specific reaction and generalizes it to a big need. Luke chapter 12 in verse 16. So this is the rich fool. This is the parable. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. That's awesome, right? He thought of himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. How much better would this story have been? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll take care of the poor and needy all around me. I'll give a whole bunch of this money to the temple because it's of the blessings from God, right? I'll go out and share how much God has blessed me with an amazing harvest and share my faith and, and gratitude towards God. I mean, this sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean, any of you guys know, even when you store things up, you can store things for a time, but you can't really store things for years in reality. i got a garage right now. I'm trying to keep a few squirrels out of the garage. And, I mean, I've blocked up holes. I'm talking about a building where you would store all this grain. You know, as soon as pests figure out you got stuff stored up, what's going to get into the stuff? The pests. So this is a, a conversation he's having with himself about a false sense of security that comes out of having this wealth. See, some of us have a false sense of security because we are in a good financial situation. And that takes us off track because we don't lean on God correctly. But is that even good enough? No. You know, some of us, we we quote-unquote make a deal with God. You know, we have what I call an ideal theology. We have these expectations of, If I follow you and repent and follow your word and serve you and worship you, X, Y, and Z are going to happen. And when X, Y, and Z don't happen, and instead when A, B, and C happen, you're like, ah! I had this belief structure that was going to happen. If I did all these things, all these other things were going to happen. And and you can't even necessarily support your, your set of contentions and your set of deals with God, but it's in your head. And it drives the way you even view God sometimes. You see, here, he had a false sense of security come out of this 
bigness that got, that got rained down on him, right? You see, for us, sometimes this time of year stresses people out. Around my school, there are actually signs. You know, this time of year is supposed to be a happy time of year, but for many people it's not. And they list a psychologist and a school counselor and this person and that person that the students can go talk to. Because what's going on? They're feeling stressed out by stuff that's really not that important. Some of us are worried, is Macy's going to be in the black this year? How are they going to, what's going to happen between Macy's and Amazon? Oh my gosh, all that online purchasing. Some of us actually worry about stuff. You know? Like, does, is Macy's worried about you? Don't worry about your money. That's about it. You know, and sometimes in being, in studying the Bible, some of us, we start to study the Bible and we, we have this contract with God. Instead of turning ourselves into Jesus, we start saying, I'm going to see if God really will follow through with what I want. And if he doesn't follow through with what I want, I'm not going to give him what he requires. Sometimes we come to Christ with a secret agenda. And if you've got this secret agenda and expectations out of your relationship with God, you're not coming to him like, I got nothing. I've sinned. I put you on the cross. I deserve death. I got nothing to offer you. And you're willing to save me. Some of us still have expectations and we're holding back because we think that until he comes through, I'm not going to act. That's not how it should be. If God's speaking to your heart at all, you're going to turn yourself in and you're going to say, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I put him on the cross. I killed him. I killed the, the son of God, the author of life. I put him up there. I've mocked him again and again. Because as Christians, we have to be aware of that, don't we? That reality drives why we strive to be different. We're not perfect, but we're not going around doing the wrong thing on purpose. And if you are and you get caught, you're going to get dealt with by God and church discipline. That's going to happen. We need to be men and women that stand up for what's right. But as people come into church here, we need to be aware that God has expectations of you. This is not something to, to play around with. This is not something to take lightly. What we're doing here isn't a game. What we're doing here is trying to be a shining light in a dark place. We're trying to save souls. We're trying to get across that River Jordan, right? And we need to be taking that seriously and taking it to heart. So this guy goes the wrong way with the question, what shall I do, right? Well, Look in uh, Luke chapter 12, and this is the next slide there, Rich Fool, the warning. This is the response to all that goodness. This is the warning. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. See, as Christians... We've decided to be rich towards God. Amen? Satan is trying to take us back away from that. Right? We've got to be on our guard. We've got to be aware. But we made that decision, didn't we? I'm putting it all. God, you get everything. I'm giving up everything. I just want to be saved. I just want my sins to be forgiven. I just want to be in the light. Right? Isn't that an awesome decision that we made? See, this guy, it's a warning. Because why was this in here? It wasn't a judgment 
as much as it's a prescription. You continue down this road and God does come to you. What's he going to call you? A fool. See, even now, there are men and women in here who can be so happy for the decision that they've made. But even now, there are men and women in here who need to take heed of what God has said. Because we're acting in foolish ways. Some of us have said, I've seen the light. Hallelujah, I'm serious. And we're so grateful, right? Some of us have seen the glimmer of the light, and we haven't yet jumped in the right way. We're here. We're hanging around, you know? We haven't made that decision. Jesus wants everybody. He wants those who followed his teaching to be affirmed in their convictions. This is the right thing to do, right? We need to be rich towards God, right? We don't need to just try to plan out our future. Now, we need to have a plan, but it doesn't need to become the most important thing. You know, you can tell how your plan is really going out. And, you know, he's talking to anybody here. But I think some of us can read this and be like, amen, I am rich towards God. Amen. I am not just trying to store up things for myself. But there's some people in here that are going to read this and be like, ooh, this cuts. This convicts. Because God might call me a fool. You know, and there's certain tests you can ask yourself. You know, do we question God? You know, do we actually, in our hearts, like, God, I had these expectations. What's up, God? Why isn't it not happening like I think it's supposed to happen? Now, there's times to pray for clarity and understanding, but I'm talking about questioning with almost a defiant attitude. There's times to pray for God to make things clear and to show you his will. But there's times where we go to God like we got a case, you know? And, you know, maybe God's not enough. Maybe you're looking for stuff on the side besides God. And you know it's stuff that you would not want to be ever coming out into the open. Maybe, you know, do we envy other people, other people around us that have a little bit more? And we envy them, you know? Are we greedy, you know? Are we really thinking about, well, if I was X, Y, or Z, things would be just better for me, and, you know, we're just not happy with anything that we have, you know? We need to be able to take the warning, and if we've already responded to the warning, we need to be encouraged by Jesus' conviction, amen? And if we've really not heeded the warning, we need to be convicted enough to change. We don't need to keep riding the fence. We don't need to be coming close to the light but then veering off every single time. We need to turn ourselves in. You understand what I'm saying? Now, there's a little video I want to show about a father and son. And the father wants, it's about being thankful. And uh, I, I want you to watch it.
really important stuff, right? I'm sure the father thought, my son's going to come back grateful for all the stuff I've been able to give him. I think the father really thought, I want my son to be grateful for what he has, right? But instead, the son noticed all the great things that this family that didn't have very much had. It's all about our perspective. You know, it really is. The Apostle Paul had next to nothing, right? Yet he learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. And as we look at that video, what stands out about it is the kids paying attention and noticing the great things that were present even in a family that didn't have very much. But did the worldly stuff really matter? No. What matters is the stuff that was there, the friendship, the adventure, the family, the relationship to God. We need to look around and be grateful for each other and the fact that we have each other. Amen? There are so many people out there that don't have this. They wish they could have somebody to talk to. We don't need walls. We've got our relationships with each other, right? But we have to connect. We have to let each other in. We have to ask each other for help. You know, we need to be close to God. This time of year, you can expend all of your time and energy taking care of business, and all of a sudden your time with God dwindles down. We need to stay close to Him. Amen? So as we think about that, let's look at the answer that is given. If you look in Luke chapter 12, so you finished up with that big warning, and He called them your fool and all that. Well, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, so it's a response, right? What does he tell them? I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom, remember what the other guy had, or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will, will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagans run after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. What does he say? Can we even add a single hour to our life by worrying? No. But we worry a lot sometimes, right? I think Jesus is speaking the truth there. We can worry a lot. What does it say to do instead of worrying? To cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us, right? What else can you do besides worrying? Reach out to someone in church and express what's on your heart so someone else can pray and maybe share a scripture with you and just hear you out. Because sometimes when you express your worries in a verbal form, all of a sudden solutions start popping up, right? All of a sudden that big worry that seems so overwhelming when you share the burden with somebody else, it doesn't seem so daunting any longer. But sometimes we keep them all inside of us and we let them take us away from our joy in God and we start feeling like, well, no one here can relate to me. 
but they can't relate to you because they don't know what's going on. Because you've got all these worries pent up inside of you, and all of a sudden you're feeling disconnected from everybody. It's because you've got all these worries pent up inside of you, and we're not mind readers. It's, it's opening up and talking, the connections that build, and the relationships that come. I mean, God's Spirit does unite us, and, and Jesus is what brings us all together. But fellowship, this is the body of Christ. The parts of the body, they communicate with each other. You have to have those relationships. You can't let Satan cut us away from each other. He calls us little sheep. Little sheep. Think about that. Emphasizing our powerlessness. Do you think sheep kind of worry about what the shepherd's doing? No, right? The sheep are just led by the shepherd, right? Sheep are pretty stupid creatures, but I don't think we're stupid but I think we have to understand that God is bigger than all of our problems. And he, and he has a heart. That if you're tempted to feel like God doesn't care, that's a lie from Satan. If you're tempted to feel like I've got to go out and find my own solutions that are outside of God's word, that's a lie from Satan. If you're tempted to feel like I shouldn't trust that God's really going to take care of me, he just said he will. We have to go and search out the answers and the truths in the word of God. We have to be able to defeat Satan's lies with the word of God. We need to be able to admit our own faults and weaknesses. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we know, but we doubt. And and we need to be, I'm I'm doubting. I just need you to pray for my faith. Sometimes we do need answers. Sometimes we don't know what is really the truth. I don't know. Someone can show you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, we need to be those men and women that understand how important this life in Christ is. And when Jesus saw this guy going off track in the middle of a sermon, he stopped everything to help that guy. And then he tried to help everybody else. Because that's just how important it is. He didn't just say, get out of my face. He, he like changed his gears on his sermon and t- taught something that changed that guy's life, hopefully. Amen? Proverbs 17, verse 1. It says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, some of us had awesome Thanksgivings. Some of us have families that we pray for because they test us. Look, not every Thanksgiving was amazing. I'm sure some people in here had arguments. Some people in here had discord. Some people in here had somebody get drunk in their family's gathering and act stupid. So I know there's a lot of things to be grateful for, but we need to realize all those people need Jesus. And we need to understand that even if we had nothing, but we had peace and quiet, the peace of God and the quietness that comes from being able to cast our anxieties on him, then we have more than somebody who could have an amazing party and a great feast, but there's a house full of strife. A house full of strife, it's just, you've been there. You've been in those homes where you're like, I can't wait to get out of here. I hope I get out unscathed. I hope no one tears me up. We've been in those situations, right? And you see, Proverbs addresses a truth. It's better to have a dry crust of bread. Think about a dry crust of bread. We tried making muffins. We made two rounds of muffins out of biscuit. Two rounds of biscuit. That's 
first kind of the first one were almost like bullets. Yeah. It was like chewing sand. And that was a dry crust of bread. And we threw those out. But it says it would be better to have those bullets than it would be to have a big feast if there's no peace in the home. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we're trying to aim at what's important. We need to pay attention to what really matters. You know, wealth or peace. They're not mutually exclusive, but they're not mutually guaranteed. Some of us think wealth will lead to peace. We need to get the peace first. If you get some wealth along the way, amen, share the wealth, right? God blesses you in amazing ways. we got brothers and sisters that have, are so generous with the wealth they've been blessed with, right? We are so encouraged by that. But the one doesn't guarantee the other. The peace is the more important thing. You talk to anybody who's wealthy and that's a Christian, and they're going to be focusing on being humble with their wealth and not being taken away by it. Because your wealth can take you down another road, right? Where you start being haughty and you're thinking, I know what's best and I got it all figured out. You talk to someone who's a, who's a humble Christian who's successful in their financial realms, they're going to talk about that's a temptation for that wealth to make me feel proud, for that wealth to make me feel like I got it all figured out. Last thing, 2 Timothy chapter 2, our certainty. So the rich fool, it was the problem, the parable, the solution. Our certainty here in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, this is Paul telling him, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him, right? If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot disown himself. Did we die with him? Amen, right? Can we endure? Yes, right? But it's a choice. We can choose to disown him. And he'll let us do it, right? But he will never stop being there for us. Just like the prodigal son in that story, what did, the, did the father stop him from going? No. He let him go. But he was looking out for his return. See, God is going to be there for us. We die with him. We will also live with him. Amen? If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll disown us. It's always our choice. Everybody in here. Some people think that once saved, always saved. That's not a doctrine that stands up in the scriptures. The grace of God never wears out, but we can't think, oh, I got saved, so there's nothing I can do to take my salvation. No, he's talking to Timothy, an evangelist. He's telling him, you can turn away from God. It can happen. So, you know, got to be careful. We can't, we can't make all these anti-Christ decisions and think it's going to add up into Christ. We need to be aware. So, but if we're faithless, God will always remain faithful. Because he cannot disown himself. He's always trying to save us. He's always there for us. So even here, if you've been somebody that's fighting God, time to turn yourself in. God's still willing to take us on. Amen? In Christ, let's persevere. Because we died with him, we will live with him. Amen? If we endure, some of us are going through an endurance test right now. Some of us are just having to fight every single day to be here. What does it say? We will reign with him. 
Guys, God's got a place for us. We are very precious to Him. We are not just some afterthought, some second thought, some by chance. We are the reason, the end all and be all for everything are the people like this who are Christians. This is the purpose that everything exists for, is so that we could come into the light and so that we could help other people to come into the light. That's how important you are to God. You're not unimportant. You're very important. You're so important that he gave up his son for you. But as Christians, we need to let that encourage us to never give up the ship. And if you're not a Christian yet, or if you've walked away from God, you can come back because he's never going to turn away to the point where you can't get saved. And if you've been fighting God, it's never too much. You can turn yourself in. Amen? Have a great day. Amen.